Amen. Turn around, fist bump somebody. You can be seated today. Am I up, Devin? Am I up? Amen. Praise the Lord. Devin, not for you, because I know you always say to God the glory, but thank you for bringing us into the presence of the Lord today. Amen. If we can turn the house lights on. Is there anybody where we can turn the house lights on up there? Yeah, I'll be up there in a minute, Devin. I'll tell you what, some people went through a lot of work setting up this front. When we can get there, I saw somebody moving up here. Man, they set it in uh, chronological order, kind of as, as how things happen. So when you come and look at this, it's kind of cool. But man, we're starting out here, Church on the Rock. We started in a home in Streamwood. If you were here in our very first service, stand up. We only had 12 people. If you were here in our very first service, there's four of them right there. Amen. Craig and Tara, Craig and Tara back there, they came and we found out she could play the piano. We got some books out and gave her some music and she was on the praise team the first day of Church on the Rock. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, that woman played faithfully for years. It's just been the last couple of years that she hasn't played as much. But Tara, thank you. Craig, thank you for all that. But man, we, we, we started out, you got to come through. I mean, we, we didn't have a home. We just did church outside um, because we didn't have room for, for the whole June. We was just church outside. And then you see, we went to Bartlett Elementary School. How many came in the Bartlett Elementary School days? Stand up. Stand up if you came at the Bartlett Elementary School days. So you're starting to see our little congregation start getting, I think we got up to like 33 there or something like that. And then we moved into Elgin Fox Theater. You get over here. How many came in Elgin Fox Theater? Stand up. So you see our congregation growing a little bit more. In fact, all you that's been with us up to that time, if you were here in the very beginning, stand up with them. I want everybody to see how the congregation kept growing little by little. Because I remember it was about 60 when we decided we were going to get in a deal and buy... Um, 18 acres, it was $3.3 million. And look at the group of people, just about 20 more. That was a big step of faith. Somebody say amen. So uh, these guys help. But you see, we're in the theater, and then you see it moves all the way to where we're at now. You can be seated. Uh, I saw over here, this picture's kind of cool. Um, this picture, we actually started in the foyer. How many came when we got here in 2010? Stand up with everybody else, and you were in the foyer. You were in the foyer. You know what we did, guys, that day? Everybody turn around and look back here. We had a tarp up right here. We had a tarp up right here, and everybody met in the sanctuary, and then we had this curtain across where the bathrooms are so you could come out. Because before that, I'm telling you, I'm a fifth grader. If people would get up to go to the bathroom, I'd say, what are you doing? <laughs> and the band was upstairs that's why you see it looking down so we were there 2010 I I got I, I got up at like two o'clock and got all my crying out and then my doggone big brother showed up today with Kenda got me boohooing again when did you come Mark 
you and Kenda. When we, huh? So you were here when we were in the foyer. My brother was a farmer for years and years and years, and he sold everything and came up here and worked for nothing for a whole year, helping this church get started. Mark and Kenda, stand up. He was a pastor here. That's my big brother. He got blessed with the hair. I got blessed with the rest of the looks. But, uh, <laughs> we always tease, uh, well, I won't go there. <laughs> but uh, uh, Mark, Mark was here, and now Mark actually left because we believe we're sending church. A lot of people are in the ministry that came out of church in the rock. But he actually pastors in Lamar, Missouri now, so we're real proud of him. But you see this? Then you get into your building stories. Oh, my gosh. Oliver, is Oliver here today? Oliver, stand up over here. If, if you work, Mike, I saw you. If, John, where's John? Man, if you were here working on the church about every day, stand up. Bill Condrat, Bill Condrat, you guys stand up. You guys that were here, because it took... I don't know if you realize it, but this church was built with volunteers. We didn't hire anything out because we didn't have any money. Uh, Oliver was such a, 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 I remember we were painting the stairwells. Everybody know the stairwells? Anybody ever painted, painted with oil-based paint? Anybody ever painted with oil-based paint? I told them guys, it was a sprayer and you had to spray over the top of your head. I told them guys, we got full body suits, put on the overalls, we got ventilators, we got something to put over your head. We bought the whole suit. I mean, it looked like, I mean, they were, the whole thing was there. They were like, oh no, we don't need no suit. We, we, we don't need that for painting. We can do this, Oliver. <laughs> I come back, because I had to go run and get some more paint. I come back and see two guys sitting on five-gallon bucket outside, and they looked up at me. They were completely white, and all you could see was red in their eyeballs. I looked closer. Their eyelids were painted. Their eyelashes were painted. The, the thing inside underneath the eyelash was painted. And you guys know you have to take turpentine or fuel or something to get that off. And one of the guys that was with Oliver spraying it, they're sitting there completely flammable, and he's sitting there smoking a Marlboro cigarette. <laughs> and I'm like, holy smoke, he's going to blow up. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, another thing about Oliver, Oliver's a man of faith. Amen. Me and him hung so much sheetrock. And uh, I remember one day we was climbing up. I, Oliver would always fall. <laughs> He'd always fall down. Well, we're, you're holding a piece of sheetrock, and you're climbing up a ladder, and, and you're holding on to here, and the ladder's shaking, and Oliver never gets it straight. And I'm like, Oliver, are you, are you all right? And then all of a sudden, you see Oliver flying back down, not the first, this is one of many times, falling down, and before he hits the floor, he's yelling out, I'm all right! <laughs> I'll tell you what, that is a man of faith yelling out, I'm all right, when he's getting ready to land on the concrete. Oh my gosh, we had so many. Where's Heidi and Linda? Where's Heidi? You guys got to stand. These girls drug cement panels. Come on, show me those things. And what's neat, a lot of these people that you're seeing standing up, they actually was born again and saved here. 
So the congregation has been built on, not all of them, but most of them. But man, you see, these pictures just start bringing back memory after memory after memory. You see, oh, this is when we bought the land. There's this guy that has hair back here driving a bulldozer. When you look at him, that's me, actually. I had some hair back then. But, uh, oh, I met Bill Condrat right here. Where's Bill at today? Bill, Bill worked at United, and he came home every day. He's a bigwig at, at United. And he came by. He could do anything. Bill, Bill every day at 3.30, Bill Condrat would show up. I met him right here. Hey, Bill, you remember meeting me right here? What are you doing out there sipping coffee when the Spirit of God's moving in here? <laughs> hey, hey, Bill, come here, come here, come here, Bill. <laughs> Bill, is there a microphone around here, Devin? Bill, oh, Bill, come here. You got to tell him. Hey, how many was here when we didn't have, remember we have the three stories here. How many was here when we got that lift and we parked it in here, and we lifted it up, and we had to shovel off 18 inches of snow off the third deck. How many did that stand up? How many did that stand up? Remember that? Bill, tell them about how we had, the reason snow was on the third floor is we had to get the roof over that third floor, and the weather wasn't cooperating, and I grew up on a farm, so I'm like, the only way to do it is just do it. Let's get her done, get her done, get her done. So, Bill is Mr. Safety from United Airlines, and uh, t- tell, him, tell him how we put the rest of that ceiling, what we did. Well, it's, with a, the... it's a metal roof, so all <laughs> the, panels are, the panels are probably 20-something feet long. About that wide. And all the seams got to be seamed with a machine. So, we came out here, it had to be done, but it's snowing, and there was probably a foot of snow on the roof, but it had to be seamed. So we get up on a lift, and Brian's like, go to the top, I'll run the machine up to you, and then you can run it back down. The lift on the outside of the building with a basket. So we're up on the lift, and he goes, get up there on the peak, and I'll run the machine up to you. I said, well, it looks kind of slippery. He goes, don't worry about it, if you slip, I'll catch you. We had the basket at the end of the, at the end of the, I mean, he wouldn't have fallen off on the ground. He would have landed in the basket. Yeah. What's the big deal? What's the big deal? Can I tell one more? Oh, maybe. So on the front of this building, we're putting up the, uh, the steel on the front. Oh. And we're up on a lift. It could happen to anyone. Anyone. Any, anytime. So Brian's cutting away with this high-speed grinder. Doesn't make me a and, bad person. <laughs> and the grinder, uh, the blade on it, comes apart. Well, these things are spinning at about 10,000 RPM. And all of a sudden, it comes up and hits me in the, in the upper lip. <laughs> and it cuts me wide open. So he's looking at this machine, trying to figure out what's the matter with it. And I'm like, holy cow. <laughs> blood's coming out. And all of a sudden, I'm like, hey, Brian, uh, there's something wrong here. He goes, yeah, I think something came apart. I said, no, here. He goes, oh. He goes like this, and he prays. Everything stopped bleeding. I went home that day. I went home that night, and I looked in the mirror. I said, there has to be something there. Looked in the mirror. There was nothing. I forgot so, that. Yeah. I love you, buddy. I 
love you too. Thank you for always being there. Yep. We got building stories like crazy. Oh, then you get into baptismal. You know, I don't ever want to exaggerate things, but I think it would be low to say hundreds have been baptized. I think it's thousands over the last 20 years. But uh, some cool baptismals. Huh? Out at your lake. Donna was at the lake, wasn't you? Was you baptized at the lake, Donna? Nice. Then we've got children's ministry. You know, we had a philosophy. I was like, man, if you go to Walmart and you go to the shelf and everything you want, if the shelf is empty, you're not going to go back to that store. So I was like, we're going to have a nursery. We're going to have toddlers. We're going to have kids on the rock. Day one at Church on the Rock. So when we were in the home, we cleared out the garage and put the kids in the garage with kids on the rock and did puppets. And then our bedroom, that we, we all lived in one house. Four of us, we just bought a house together, and we all lived together. But we got kicked out, and the nursery was in one bedroom, and the toddlers was in another bedroom. So how many know children's ministry is so important? So now that we have a place to do it, you're at it. So that's kind of how kids' ministry has always been a big deal. Then you just get into all the other different ministries that you just see. Youth things, children's things, deacon ministries, different events. Then you get over here to Africa and India. And then you see our rock school, the Bible. What do we got? Oh, we did a, did anybody ever come to Christmas Story Live? Anybody ever heard of it or went to it? Um, man, our congregation was only like 100 people then. And it, we didn't even have a building. Hey, Jake, how's it going, buddy? Hey, seriously, Jake, I was praying about 2 o'clock in the morning. See Oliver back there? Do you know Oliver? I do now. You do? Um, I wasn't kidding when I said when Oliver, Oliver was kicked off that ladder, that before he was landing, he's saying, I'm all right. He has a supernatural kind of faith. I'm not kidding. Um, I've had to go to hospitals with chaplains saying, will you tell this guy in your congregation to quit giving people hope? Because they need to face the reality and give their condolences for that person to go on. And I'll be honest, I even was like thinking, oh, are we being insensitive to the family? Do we need to prepare them for that? But there, there was one time in particular that there was no hope of this person walking out. And Oliver was like, they're walking out. They're coming out of this hospital. And he was there every day. You need to have Oliver with your dad. Jake's dad's been in a coma for how long, Jake? Ten months. Ten months. He fell down some stairs. He's about a 45-year. How old is he? 52. 52. Get that man of faith with you because he says no. He says no. Don't you, Oliver? Amen. That he'll rise up. How many say, believe his dad's going to rise up in Jesus' name? And we're holding that. Seriously, I was praying it. Because I'm like trying to put ends together before I get out of here. And I was praying about 2 o'clock in the morning. And I really felt like Oliver and Mary that you need to know Jake and Claudia. And stand with them, Oliver. Whose report are we going to believe? His report says, say it. I'm what? I'm what? Man, we believe in it. I saw every miracle in India. I saw people walk. I saw deaf hear. I saw blind see. And I'm not talking one or two. I'm talking hundreds. 
There was over 120,000 in the Crusades. I was actually handed a dead baby when you opened it up. It stunk. And our team prayed over that baby in the daytime. The revivals were running about, it grown, it started out as 5,000, but it kept growing every night because they'd bring, because miracles were happening. I'm not talking one or two, I'm talking hundreds. Miracles were happening. Miracles. Were, I saw it. You didn't have to know the language when you see a mom seeing their kid walk for the first time. You didn't have to say, do we need a doctor to document that? Did that really happen? You could tell by mama's eyes that really happened and by the size of the legs. You can tell when a blind person can really see. I mean, you can really tell it. Um, but anyway, uh, all of a sudden this revival just went nuts. That revival went so nuts that we had a stage like this. Keep in mind, it was outdoor. And so it was built with um, logs and stuff. But people wanted God so bad that they would climb on the stage and just trying to get to you. They, could, they just thought if they could touch you or, or you could pray with them. They were so eager for the... They, they, they busted the stage down. It just collapsed. There was such a hunger. And you'd look out at a black sea of heads just waiting to be prayed for. But uh, anyway, all of a sudden, it just erupted one night. And there were people as far as your eye could see, and they guessed there was about over, right at 120,000 people gathered in this area. And um, all of a sudden, we didn't know what was going on. Uh, I know when we prayed, I saw some liquid come out of the nose and I saw some liquid come out of the ear but I didn't like see it happen right there but all of a sudden because we don't know what's going on because they're they're speaking in another language and all of a sudden the crowd just goes nuts and they take this baby and they go like that and we say what's going on and they said this baby was prayed for this morning and it came back alive the place went nuts Honestly, I quit telling that story a lot, but I think you guys kind of enjoyed it because people look at you like you're on drugs or something and that they don't really believe it. And I don't want to cheapen, I don't want to cheapen God's stories by people who are like, oh, well, whatever and all that. But I'm telling you, we've had some times. I remember in Africa, um, in Africa, in India, you saw more healings and stuff, but in Africa, you saw deliverances so the word would get done and we would how many if you've been to Africa stand up if you've been to Africa missions stand up okay is Trisha here she's been I think but anyway um, we've had a lot more go but it, at the end we just kneel on the stage and we say Lord we declare the kingdom of God is at hand we break the powers of darkness over this area and all you see is just a black Black heads everywhere. And then all of a sudden you just see these, these holes open up. You're, you're, you're looking out and you just see a hole, a hole, a hole. You know what I mean? Where the people are just jumping back. It's demons manifesting because of witchcraft in, in Africa. And they, you can't get to the stage because there's too many people. So you literally lift them up and they surf them just like a rock concert. They surf him to the front. And one night, there were so many people, 
having de- being attacked with demons, and they just kept bringing them, that me and another guy just kind of grabbed them. We just kind of grabbed them around the neck and got their britches, and we just took them and threw, we just threw them like in a pile. I'm not kidding. There was a pile of human beings. We just kept throwing more and more over there, more and more over there. And then our prayer team that we took, we'd just drag them out. We'd drag them out, and then we'd pray over them, and we would see every one of them delivered. You'd see just, just miracles. Guys, you need to believe there's a miracle working God that, that's alive and well. Uh, we got the rock school. Oh, this, um, we did this nativity where um, you sit in your car and put your radio on a station, and we did a 26-minute community thing with wise men, shepherds. We had donkeys, sheep, camels, everything. In my opinion, it was better than anything I've seen anywhere around still to date. It was amazing. We didn't have any money or nothing, but somebody helped us do it, and we had willing heart of people to do it. Um, But um, thousands of people came through and heard the Christmas story come alive. And that's what that's about. But you just kind of see just a lot of cool stuff happen in there. And um, it's been a joy to be a part of all that. <clears throat> um, so I wanted to kind of take a walk down memory lane. And then the other thing I wanted to tell you is it's been so hard to release this church I didn't realize how hard resigning was the easy part. Releasing you people is the hard part because I've got so many deep connections and stuff. And so the other day I was, I was crying out two Mondays ago, not last Monday, but the Monday before. I was saying, Lord, I, I, can't, I can't release. I can't release. I can't let it go. I can't let the people go. I can't, I can't let the ministry go. I can't let... I'm still in fix. I can't let it go. I can't let it go. And God said, God just came to me and said, Brian, you need to let it go. And uh, so I had to do something. Two Mondays ago, I shut my email, Brian, at Church on the Rock. I shut it off. I shut off um, Brian Garfield 68 at gmail.com. So if you have that one, I shut that one off. I shut off my work phone. Changed the number, turned it into Kelly. I shut everything off because I felt like that was God's way of saying, Brian, you got to start releasing these people into other people's care and not yours. So I, I did that. And I'm not the smartest guy or the sharpest pencil in the box and the smartest guy in the world. Most of the suffering that I have, people say, oh, I'm suffering for Christ. I don't think I've suffered for Christ very often, honestly. I usually suffer for some bonehead thing I did or something I didn't think through. And uh, I didn't think through it, but uh, if you've texted me or emailed me and you're like, I'm really hurt because Brian didn't text back or Brian didn't email me back, that's why, because I turned everything off. I didn't think about that. I didn't think about... um, People may get hurt thinking I just was like, to heck with you. 
You know, you don't matter to me anymore. You know how the enemy will do stuff with you? Everybody out there say amen. Let's keep it real. He'll just do, do that to you. So if you tried to text or email or something, and you're like, man, that hurts. I did that on accident. I didn't think about that part. So I apologize for that and because um, that wasn't my intent. Um, and the other, other thing I thought about when I was thinking I wanted to tell you that, the other thing I was wanting to tell you is really if I've offended any of you guys over the years, um, I'd ask you to forgive me and have that blessing. Um, it takes a lot to walk with somebody for long periods of time. It seems like in this culture, it's even harder for churches to have people that just stay with you. It's a little bit easier in small town churches where people stay with you. But it's hard to stay because, you know, guys, the arm of flesh is always going to let you down. Anybody out there say amen. The arm of flesh is always going to let you down. And the Bible says, the Bible says, woe, woe unto the man that trusteth in the arm of flesh, for it will always fail you. Guys, notice, don't put your trust in man. Don't put your trust in your best friend. They can help. They're, they're icing on the cake. They can be a friend. But put your trust in the Lord. Because the Bible says, woe unto the man that trusteth in the arm of flesh. And I think the reason people can't walk together so long is because we disappoint each other. We offend each other. We upset each other to where we can't be friends anymore. And why? It's because we trusted in the arm of flesh. But it says, blessed is the man that trusteth in the strong arm of the Lord. Listen, for he will never fail you. He will never fail you. So I just want to encourage you guys to never trust in, 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 your, in your leadership, to always be there, to always be there for that phone call, to always be there for that text. It's an unrealistic expectation, and, it, and it's too much to put on any person. But woe unto the person that puts their arm in the, in the trust of human beings' arm. It'll fail every time. But somebody say, let's put our trust. Anybody out there? Let's put our trust in the Lord. How many says he never fails? He never fails. So um, anyway, I was thinking about that. The next thing I was thinking about, and this is what I'm actually going to preach on, is picking up the mantle from those who walk before you. If you have your Bibles, turn to uh, 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 1, or is it 1 Kings or, yeah, 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1, 2 Kings, it says, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up, we're going to be talking about a guy named Elijah and a guy named Elisha, and Elisha was like being mentored by Elijah to pick up the mantle and to take it forward after he's gone. Kind of like Moses and Joshua. Kind of like uh, Paul and, and Timothy. Somebody to come in behind them. Okay? Well, all, it was time for Elijah to get ready to go. And the Bible says when the Lord was about to take Elijah. How many know that Elijah didn't die? He was actually taken up. He's one of the only few men that didn't see death. Okay? Uh, so he was actually taken up. And didn't see death. 
um, the Lord was going to take up Elijah in the heaven in a whirlwind. Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. Everybody say Gilgal. Gilgal, whenever you have a city in the Bible, it's real important. Gilgal is called the cutting away of the flesh. Write that down. When you're traveling, when you're traveling on the road to the anointing and being that person that God can say, you're the man, you're the woman that I'm going to turn my work or I'm going to turn things over to you. The first place that you have to stop at in your journey is that place called Gilgal. Gilgal is the place um, before uh, with the Israelites in Joshua chapter 5, the Israelites came up getting ready to cross, getting ready to cross over into the promised land. How many know they wandered around 40 years in the wilderness? Did you know the people that went out of Egypt with Moses? None of them went into the promised land except Joshua and Caleb. Moses didn't even get to go into God's promised land. He, he, he didn't even get to do it. And it was over because uh, the first time they got water, he struck it. He struck the rock, and the rock is Jesus. So he hit the rock. Jesus was hit on the cross. He was hit by the rock, and water came out. But then the second time, God said, speak to the rock. But Moses was upset with the, with the Israelites, and he hit the rock again. In other words, that was like hitting Jesus again instead of asking him, for the water to be poured out. But the water came both ways. But it was that reason that Moses didn't get to go in the promised land. And guys, I'm telling you that there is a promised land for Church on the Rock. There is a promised land. There is a word spoken over this church. There is a specific mission on Church on the Rock, and you're a part of it. I'm the guy, Moses, that doesn't get to go into the land because there's still promises that are still being done. But I was the guy that took them through the wilderness. Maybe I was the David that cleared the land so Solomon could come in and build the temple. I believe I was a land clearer, a church planter, a starter upper. You guys need to be excited because now a Solomon's coming that's going to build the people and build the temple. And this church is going to enter into that promised land. But before you enter into that promised land, how many want to enter into the promised land? You have to make that stop at Gilgal. Gilgal was the second generation of Israelites that hadn't been circumcised. Now the Bible says in Colossians chapter 2 verse 11... That when you came to Christ, you were, you were circumcised. But not a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision. It's the cutting away of your sinful nature. So when you hear Gilgal, hey, if you want to enter into God's power and God's promises and God's land, buddy, son, daughter, sister, brother, we need to make a stop at Gilgal and we need to get the knife out. We need to get the knife out. We need to get the knife out and begin to sharpen the blades. Sharpen the blades. If you read Joshua 5, it says, get the knives out. Begin to sharpen the blades. This bunch, this second generation, before they're going into my promised land, we're going to cut away some things of the flesh. Who says today that you need to enter into a promised land, but there's some cutting away of the flesh that needs to happen? Anybody out there? Because it's not that you're not going to make heaven. Even in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 
In 2 Corinthians, that was written to the church. Don't get that mixed up. The Corinthian church, they went to church. They were born again. They were Christian people. But they had some major flesh issues. Look at this scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. It says it's because they were so wrapped up in godliness that they, they couldn't walk in kingdom authority. And they were so wrapped up in worldliness and ungodliness that they couldn't walk in kingdom authority. And they didn't walk in the fullness of God. And they didn't walk in that promised land. Some of you that feel like you're not walking in the fullness of God. Or in the authority of God. Or the promised land that you're supposed to be walking in. It may be that the knives need to be sharpened. These were Christian people. And that's where I don't want you to get confused. Paul was saying, surely, put that scripture up, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10. It says, surely you must know that people who, everybody say practice. That's a big part. People who practice evil cannot possess God's kingdom, God's promised land, God's authority. That kingdom realm, that authority realm, that fullness realm. Stop being deceived. People who continue, say continue, continue to engage in sexual immorality, in idolatry, adultery. Next one. Sexual perversions, homosexuality, fraud, greed, drunkenness, verbal abuse. Notice Everybody's like, ooh, you're an adulterer. Well, you're a verbal abuser. I, I mean, oh, you can't be a Christian. Hey, he was talking to Christians or extortioner. These will not inherit the kingdom realm. The kingdom realm. I'm telling you, this isn't talking about people. Pe- he's talking to people who practice evil, who continue to engage. That doesn't mean we're perfect. We'll never be perfect. There's times that we have slip-ups, but there's a difference in a slip-up and a mistake and a choice to live in and continue in the practice of these things. We reach perfection through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. You know, until we get there, I love this scripture, Hebrews 10, 14 says this, for by one sacrifice, he is made perfect forever those that are being made holy. So... There may be people in this church that you're practicing some of that stuff. That that you slip up to some of that. You slip into that. You slip in from time to time to some of that stuff. I will not throw a a rock at you. Because I believe that what God's saying here is, is, is when you have a slip up. And as you keep marking these things out in your life. You're going to start getting an advantage and you're going to start feeling a different fullness and a different authority. And people that, that, that kind of do a little bit of both, you can't walk in that fullness in the kingdom of authority. So, 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 so getting this, people who practice people, people who continue to engage, these people, they just don't inherit that fullness or that full walking in the Lord. How many want that full walking? Guys, if you want to walk in your promised land... If you want to walk in your fullness and your authority, first thing we got to do is we got to sharpen the knives. And let's go to Gilgal. Who needs to cut something out of your life? Cut that flesh off. Cut that flesh out. And guys, when you're cutting the flesh out, doesn't mean you'll never do it again. 
you probably will slip up. If your record's kind of like mine, you will. But when you slip up, you repent again. You ask the blood of Jesus. God covers you with his grace. And he tells you, man, until you get it, you're perfect. I'm sanctifying you and you're perfect before me until you get it right. But then there's a day, there are things that I'm getting right. And I don't go back to. But I'm telling you guys, there's a difference in slip up and continuing to engage. If you're continually engaged, it's dangerous ground. I'd get out that. Cut it out. Cut it out. Second place, if you want to enter the promise, if you want to enter the fullness, is you got to go to Bethel. Bethel means the house of God. The first place Bethel is mentioned is with Jacob and Jacob's ladder. How many know the, the story of Jacob's ladder where he had a dream? And the angels were going up and down on this ladder. What they were doing, what, what Bethel is, listen, Bethel is the, is the place that you're getting familiar with the house of God. Bethel means house of God or house of bread. In fact, that night when, Joseph, when um, Jacob had that dream, he took a rock and he laid it on the ground and he used a rock for the pillar. And the next day, the Lord told him, he said, that rock that you used as a pillow, it's going to be a pillar in a house of God that you're going to erect in your lifetime. And he took that pillow of a dream, that pillow of a place of a promise, and he traveled with that. And that stone that he slept on where he had that dream, he got in contact in the spiritual realm, the house of God. That stone became the cornerstone, and Bethel was built. Bethel was a place, it was one of the most revered places. It was a place where the holy presence of God. Bethel is the place where you're learning how to pray. Anybody out there, you're learning how to pray. You're learning intimacy with the Lord. If you want to walk in the fullness of God, you got to cut the flesh out of your life and you got to start going to Bethel. You got to start going to Bethel and start getting familiar with God, getting familiar with how to talk to God, how to read your Bible, how to do devotions. If you're going to walk in the fullness, you have to stop here. There's something kind of interesting at this. Notice Elijah said, Stay here. When they went to Bethel, Elijah said, Stay here. For the Lord's told me to go to Bethel. But Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. The reason I want you to see that is there has to be some get up in you. Because people, oh, you don't want to get up and pray today. Well, before you decide that, remember Jesus Christ died on the grave. Can't we get up out of our bed and go pray? Anybody out there? There has to be something in you that says, I'm going to go to Bethel. To where, oh, you don't really need to go to Bethel. It's almost like you don't need to go to Bethel. You can't handle Bethel. Don't even try to go to Bethel. But you're like, oh, no, brother. Oh, no, sister. I'm going to Bethel with you. There has to be that attitude with the flesh. You have to say, I'm going to get that knife and cut that flesh out of my life. I'm going to have a heart for the Lord. I'm going to be a man of prayer. I'm going to be a woman or a man of the Spirit. I'm going to be a person that is familiar with the house of God. I'm going to be a person that's familiar with visions and dreams of God. I'm going to know that house. I'm going to know that place where God dwells. I'm going to live in His presence. 
I'm going to have that, and you're not going to keep me back. Oh, no, you need to stay here. For you people that can be talked out of it with one, oh, no, you just need to stay here. You're talked out of it that quick, you're never going to make it to the promised land. There has to be something in you that says, I'm going to get it. And you know what? I like this next part. It says, so they went together to Bethel. Look at this. The group of the prophets from Bethel came to Elisha and asked him, hey, did you know the Lord's going to be taken from your master today? He said, of course I know, Elisha answered. Be quiet about it. In other words, shut up. These guys were the wannabes, the prophets and the religious system. Did you know that your Lord's going to be taken for you? I'm going to Bethel. Uh, you're not going to Bethel. Your Lord's going to be taken from you today. I know he's going to be taking you. You just hold your mouth. And these wannabes just set and point at you when you want to be radical for the Lord. But how many say, I'm going to be radical for the Lord? And if people sit around and point their females at me and say, I'm extreme, what's up with that guy? He's crazy. Be a fool for Christ. Say, I'm going to get it. Anybody out there say, I'm going to get it. All right? Then Elisha said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord's told me to go to Jericho. Jericho. So they went to Jericho. Jericho is from Joshua Five, six, or seven through there. This is the place of obedience. Jericho means obedience. It's the place on your pathway to the anointing, to your pathway of the fullness of God, the full authority of God. That's where you learn obedience. Obedience. That's when he said, march around the city. Seven times. I don't remember. I should have read this story this morning. March around the city. Here's what I remember. Don't say a word. You know why I told them not to say a word? Because the first generation, when they went into the promised land, with their mouth, they said, the giants are too big. The, 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 the cities are too fortified. We're going to get our tails kicked if we try to enter that promised land. And you know what the Lord said to that first generation of people that died in the wilderness? He said this to them. As you have said, so it will be given unto you. So when you're looking at your promised land and you're saying, that bill will never be paid, and I don't know what I'm, put your problem on it, because I don't want to stick things on it. You, you got, you've always got this negative, and you've always got this. I mean, you can go and hear a word at church and get a deliverance and have something happening, and before you get to your car, you've already messed up everything you gained at church with your mouth this is a place of obedience this is a place where you meditate the bible says that, that, that to to put the word in you and to meditate on it day and night to think upon the words whatever you're going through whatever you're facing instead of naming your problem and naming your situation and giving the devil all this stronghold and releasing demons angels releasing them to your negativity let's start remembering how the lord took us man he fed us in the wilderness man he gave us rock you think of millions of people being fed for 40 years how did that happen quail came 
We were saved from the enemy. We always had something. They thought about where God had taken them. They kept their mouths shut and remembered the faithfulness of the Lord. We look at these pictures. I could tell you sad stories. I could tell you stories that, would, that you would say, how did you make it through that time? But I look at what the story is now. I'm not telling you there won't be hardships. There won't be trials. There won't be testing. But I'm telling you that you can meditate and you can say that God has never failed me. Not even one time. Not even one. It's a place of obedience. Elijah pride, as sure as the Lord lives... I'll never leave you. He tried to talk him out of going there. So they went to Jericho. Same old wannabe prophets in Jericho. Hey, do you know your Lord's going to be taken away from you today? Of course I know. Shut up. That's what he said. Then they went to Jordan. Jordan is the place of power. So Gil- Gilgal is the place you cut away the flesh. Then you got Bethel. That's the house of God where you learn intimacy with the Lord. Then you got Jericho, that's where you learn obedience. After you get those three on your journey, and you've got this attitude, I'm going to get those things. Nobody's talking me out of it. Then you do get to a place of power. How many is ready to get to a place of power? How many is tired of being a doormat to the enemy? How many is tired of waking up in the night tormented, full of fear? full of doubts, in anxiety attack because you don't know how to deal with your past or you're worried about your future. How many are tired of of living that way? You need to get to that place of power, that place of power. It says, then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord's told me to go to the Jordan River. But again, Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. All right, come on. So they went together. Fifty men from the group of the prophets. Here you go, these religious punks. Fifty fifty of them who, who sat in their churches always talking about it. Always making fun. Fifty men of the group. They went and watched. They watched. They won't ever get in the ball game. They watched from a distance as the men and women of God were doing something. And Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. Then Elijah folded his cloak. I wish I had something to fold up. He folded his cloak. Think about a, think about a wrap. That he was walking in. He took his wrap. And he maybe took it off his waist. And he swung it around like this. And he walked up with his, with his young protege, Elisha, watching every single thing he did. Elisha folded his cloak together. And then he struck the water with it. And the river divided. And the two of them walked through on dry ground. His mentor showed him the power, showed him how to get to the power, showed him how to get to the fullness, showed him how to get to kingdom authority, told him don't, there's a lot of you that fight that sin stuff in the beginning on going to Gilgal. He taught him to go to Gilgal, but yes, he also taught him 
when you have a slip up at Gilgal, God still loves you. Get up, dust yourself off. The Bible says the righteous will fall seven times, but the Lord picks them up every time. So he had, he had a perfect message. Go to Gilgal. Get familiar with the house of God. Get familiar with prayer. Get familiar with spiritual things. Start walking in obedience. Obey the nudge when I tell you to walk and talk to that person. Obey the nudge when I tell you to give to that person. Obey the nudge when I say to go serve in children's church. Obey that nudge. Obedience. Walk in that obedience. But then what I like about this, he showed him how to walk in power. He demonstrated the power. And then he said this, tell me, what can I do? Elijah, Elijah said this. When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken away? I would never put myself in Elijah's. Actually, I had something else I was going to preach, but I felt the Lord say, preach this. I'm not telling you I'm Elijah because I'm far from Elijah, but I do know I'm leaving. In fact, some of you might need to hear Joshua. Actually, Joshua's taken over after I leave. Joshua win. But Joshua, after Moses, had to get up in front of the people and say, Hey, guys, Moses is dead. Let's get on and get on about it. Quit more. Moses is dead. Let's go on. Let's get our promised land. Well, this Elijah... He said, hey, Elisha, tell me what I can do before I can take you away. I felt the Lord say, Brian, tell them what they can do before you leave. You can go to Gilgal. You can go to Bethel. You can go to Jericho. And then you will get in a place of power where you will start inheriting the kingdom. Where it says these, it's in these sinful things. They don't inherit that kingdom realm. You're not going to inherit that kingdom realm. But when you get that stuff and you start pressing the Lord, you start entering a kingdom realm of authority to where whatever you forbid on, whatever's being forbidden in heaven is being forbidden on the earth. Whatever's being loosed in heaven, you've got kingdom authority to loose it on earth, Matthew 16. It's where Jesus says, I've given you the keys to your kingdom. God's given you the keys. I don't care what it is you're going through. He's given you the keys that unlock your kingdom. Woo! As Devin does. Woo! I'm going to get that wolf down, Devin. I, I'm telling you, I hate it. I don't get to. I love Devin. I love that boy like he's my own son. <laughs> Darn it. I, I really wanted to work with him. I never get to have the fun. I have to build the buildings and do sheetrock. And I never get to do the fun stuff. Huh? <laughs> hey, but anyway, he said, tell me what I can do before I'm taken away. He said, please let me inherit a double share of the spirit so I can become your successor. Hey, I, I, I got to say it, For, forget me, and re, remember Jesus telling them to go tarry in Jerusalem till they, they, you know, I just thought of that, you know, Elijah sat looking up to heaven as this cloak was falling down, so did the disciples, 
They were looking up in heaven in Acts chapter 1 as Jesus was being. It's not a bad thing looking up to heaven when the leader's gone. That's not a bad thing. But you can't quit looking up to heaven. You got to get to business. And, and, and with Jesus, an angel came and said, hey, why are you guys looking up to heaven? The same way you see Jesus leaving in the clouds, somebody say he's coming back in the clouds. How many believe in the rapture of the church? He's coming back. He's coming back in the rapture. He's a grave robber king. He's a dead body snatcher. He gave us a promise his love never fails. It held him to Calvary, not old rusty nails. 2,000 years are past and are gone. To the sun, one's a thousand, a thousand is one. But let Brian give a message around the world to put off your sin and put on your best clothes. Watch out the spots and wring out the wrinkles. The lion returns when the big eye twinkles. He's coming in a something. It won't be a hearse. It's some rap I did when I was like 20 years old. He's coming back. Come on, Devin. Devin, come on. He's coming back, church. Devin, you ain't having enough fun back there. <laughs> Woo, he's coming back. So uh, he said, same way he's leaving. But then he said this, go tarry in Jerusalem till you receive power from on high. They were in the upper room. How long were they in the upper room, Craig? 120 days? Huh? However many days, this is a long, this is a few. They strung a few together seeking the Lord up in the upper room okay and then the day of Pentecost came oh it's 50 because 50th is Penta Pentecost 50th 50 days after Christ rose from the dead is Pentecost and that's when the Holy Spirit was given to where we went out and witnesses in power anybody out there say amen so kind of the same thing please we're the ones that's taking the message after Jesus left. Elisha's the one taking the message after Elijah left. What do you want? I want a double portion of what you've got to be your successor. Will somebody, will somebody, will somebody take up the mantle of the vision of Church on the Rock? Will somebody keep adding a picture frame? Can we get rid of the picture frames and, and move them over this way and start getting some new picture frames and some new things and to fill this church, see this church fill up for each part to supply its part, to do its part? Is there anybody here that would say, I, I, I want to be your successor? Anybody want to be a successor? To this great work that the Lord did. It's not mine. I don't even try to touch it. It's his. He said, if you see me when I'm taken away, then you will get your request. But if not, then it won't be. As they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared. Drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two men. I didn't catch that this morning was when they was repeating it. It drove between the two men. See, there's a chariot of fire in the Lord that's driving between Carmen and I in the church. 
and it's separating us. It's okay. It's separating us. Separated. And Elijah was carried up in this whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it. And he cried out, my father, my father, I see the chariots. I see the charioteers of Israel. And then all of a sudden he sees this cloak come floating down that he hit the water with. Comes floating down. It's decision time. It's decision time. It's decision time for Elisha. Is he going to leave it lay on the ground? Is he going to walk over it? Is he going to ignore it? Is he going to let fear talk him out of it? What's he going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? It's obvious. Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen when he was taken up. Then Elijah returned to the same bank of Elijah at the Jordan River. And I can imagine, I bet he rolled it up just like Elijah did. I bet he rolled it up. And all of a sudden, he struck the water with Elijah's cloak. And he cried out, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And God answered, I'm right here. And he divided that Jordan River. And Elisha walked in the same power and more power than Elijah walked in. And he went walking across that Jordan on dry, dry land. He picked up the call. He picked up the mantle. He picked up where Elijah left off. He said, I'll be the one. I'll be that person. I will be the one. And then he walked back. And he looked at the 50 wannabes. And said, you sit and play your church and have your form of religion. But I'm going to not have a form of godliness that denies the power of God. I'm going to be a church that walks in the fullness and the full authority and the full power of the Lord God Almighty. What's it going to be? It's decision time. It's decision time. I've looked at some of you. I know God brought you. I, 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 there is such an amazing events that brought us up to resigning and the peace is coming and the team that's coming back together. It, it's crazy, isn't it, John? God's leading this thing. Let's follow with him. Hey, guys, this isn't the time the Bible says, strike the shepherd and the sheep run. You're not shepherdless. There's another shepherd put in place. Don't you sheep be running away. Stay put. Stay put. Were you following me or were you following God? Woe unto the man that trusteth in the arm of flesh, for I will fail you every time. And you'll get to where you'll be another one on the list that says, Brian Garfield hurt me and I don't like him anymore. When you're doing your best to make everybody happy. Okay? Who will be the one? I know without a shadow of a doubt, God brought Devin. You all sat here and 
look at everything like the 50 wannabes setting off all you 50 wannabes. Hmm. Well, you wannabe, you sit in the distance and watch while men of God's getting up to it. If you couldn't enter into worship this morning, something's wrong with your worshiper. God's presence was here. Great is the Lord. You going to follow Josh? You going to follow your leaders that God's put in place? Or are you going to be them wannabes? Sitting back, folding their arms, never doing nothing but giving their opinions, which are like armpits and butts. What's it going to be, man? What's it going to be? Who will be the one to pick up the work where it's left off? Who will be the co-laborer in God's service? Hallelujah. The Bible says instead we speak the truth in love, growing in every way the more and more like Christ, who is the head of this body, the church. He makes the body fit together perfectly. Each part does its own special work. We spent weeks doing that. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love and moving. That's God's will for Church on the Rock. That's the message. In closing, I'd like for the council members to come up. Ray Martell, Mike Barreto, is he here? Okay, Mike Barreto, he's a fireman, so it's tough to get him to. Karen, John, Jonathan, and Tim. John, who did you guys add to the council for the pastor search? Uh, we had, uh, Dana. Dana, come on up. We had, um, Chad York. Laura, you're on it? Awesome. That is awesome. I didn't know you were on it. Hey, you, you, you should be on it. This girl's been a servant of God in this church. So these guys, these guys are your church council. Ray, Jonathan, John, Tim, and then Laura and Dana are helping with the pastor search, but Karen is a council member. Okay, now let's do deacons. Did Jason come today, Karen? Jason Rudance, come up. Stephen, Nicole, Eric, and Denise, Marco. Did Gina make it, Marco? Okay. Bill and Chris. Bill and Chris, I know you're watching online. Hi. Jason, Ken, and Oliver. Dan and Chris. Did I already say Dan and Chris? Yep. Dan and Chris. Don and Mary. You are here. I hadn't got to see you guys yet. Man, I get chills when I... Hey, deacons, could you all come over here together so they kind of know? Deacons, the church is divided. Remember, you need to go to Gateway. You need to go to Grow Steps 1. Come on down here. Grow Steps 1, because we've already done Grow Steps 2. And if you shadow a team and get on a team from what we've done the last month, all you need to do is take Grow Steps 1 and then you're put under the care of a deacon because I want to leave knowing people are cared for. These guys pray for you. 
They're here for you for crisis. They're here to visit you in the hospital. They're here to uh, uh, help you with a bill if you need it. They're here to encourage you, to exhort you, to disciple you. They're, they're your pastors. Because I knew I couldn't take care of everybody. So we've given 10 families at a time. But after you do your growth steps, you're put in the care of a deacon family. Okay? And so we got to keep growing deacons, more deacons. Okay? And then we've got... Um, Pastor Josh. Pastor Josh, he's Elijah. He's Joshua. He's Moses. He's Joshua for Moses. He's Elisha for Elijah. He's Timothy for Paul. Come on up here, Pastor. So you're not shepherdless, okay? Where's your microphone? That's there if you want to do it. I feel like she needs recognized because she serves so well. Mm-hmm. Do what you want on that. This is your church. It's not my church anymore. Come on. Hey, it's God's church, right? Right. We're, it's God's church, right? And we're just here part of it. Amen. Amen. And so this is, you see the council. This is the body that, that has risen up and does this on a voluntary basis. And so the people that, um, I'm not going to call up this week, but we'll call them up next week probably because we already got a lot of people up here. But you're going to see the full staff next week and just get to see everybody there. And we even have one more transition coming off as Trish is transitioning out of being the children's director. But with that, we have somebody that's coming right in, which is Denise Marshall. And so you're going to get to hear all that. you got an amazing team. We have. I, I told Brian this when we, a couple weeks ago or months, whatever, when this all started is that I really believe that God's going to fill the voids. There are going to be voids that God is going to fill, and he did it. He did it. He did it with volunteers. He did it with people stepping in. He did it through Shape Series. He did it with new staff members. And you're going to get, we'll go over that, and we'll tell you more of who's all in and kind of doing what now and stuff like that. And, and just to be clear, Trish isn't leaving. She's staying with the church. She's just stepping back from that children's director position this time. Her kids, uh, she, she wants to be more intentional. as a, She's homeschooling this year, and they're going into sixth grade, and she wants to be intentional at middle school. She wants to be uh, spend more family time with Ray and stuff. And so we love her. She's done so much and she's still training Denise and getting her going there and she's still around for questions but man we have an incredible team and I'm excited to share more of that is it okay we do that next week or did you want to I'm striking rocks over these people no I'm not I love you stick around man can you church I just we want to go in time of prayer we just want to go in a time of prayer. And, Van, you can, whenever you're ready, you can start just kind of playing something. But we're going to go in a time of prayer right now and because I believe, I believe that this church doesn't die the moment that Brian leaves. It never was his church to begin with. No. It had his flavor. It had his, you can see his DNA everywhere. You get everywhere you look, you're going to see sheetrock that Brian touched or put a nail in or whatever, right? But it's not Brian's church. It is God's church. It's not my church. It's God's church. It's not your church. It's God's church. Can you just say it's God's church right now? You know, I really believe, and some of you, Denise even said this, is that our vision and mission has kind of gone back and forth. Not really gone back and forth. We, we haven't just been super clear over it the last couple of years, but can I just tell you that our vision for this church is bring them in, raise them up, and send them out. Some of you thought it was be with him, become like him, and do what he did. That is how we do those things, but the vision is bring them in, raise them up, and send them out. Brian didn't just sit down and be like, we need a church vision, and scrap that on a piece of paper and say, here it goes. That vision comes with prayer. Vision comes with prayer. Amen? Amen. 
Vision is a God-given destination. Our church has a God-given destination. And it is kept with prayer, not by one person, not by Brian, by the church. You play a part in this. Every person up here plays a part in this. This is God's church that we are part of. And the, mission, the vision will continue to go forward, which is to bring people in, your neighbors, your friends, your family, broken, hurting, to raise them up, to restore them, to equip them, to find healing, to find deliverance, and then to commission back out. Today we get to commission. Today we're commissioning Brian. <laughs> but the vision stays. Randy Roos said it last week, is the, the, the vision always remains the same, but the methods may change. The flavor of our church may look a little different because Brian's not here. It's going to be hard to find that hillbilly southern fire that we always used to, okay? Okay, it's going to be hard to find that, but that's okay. Because it's whose church? It's, it's whose church? Amen. Church, stand up with me right now. Just stand up with me and just raise your hand over every person right here. And you can put your other hand right on the shoulder of somebody next to you if they feel like that's appropriate or comfortable. But right now, Father, let's just lift up prayer over this church right now. Father, we thank you, God. Church, start raising your own prayer. I don't need to be the only one praying. Thank you, God, for every single person on this stage. Thank you, God, for every single person that's playing music right now. Thank you, God, for every single person that's in this uh, interpretation booth, the media booth, the tech booth, Father, that's downstairs serving kids that can't even be up here for this service, Father. God, we thank you, God, for every person that owns their place in this church. Thank you, God, for our deacons. Lord, just Holy Spirit, empower them right now, Father God. Holy Spirit, empower them right now, Father God. We pray for a spirit of care, God, in this church, God. We've always been known as a church that cares for people, that ministers well, God, that doesn't let people just lie down and suffer by themselves, God. We pray that same spirit continues, God, to be here, God. The trajectory that Brian helped lead us to, God, we maintain those things, Father God. We are a church that loves you and loves people, Father. God, I just pray right now, God, that our deacons, God, would just feel an ownership of their ministries, God. They feel an ownership, God, of their areas, Father. God, I pray they would just start feeling a spiritual burden, God, for the people in their areas, God. That when somebody's hurting or in pain, that they feel that, God. That they should.